Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor Fredrickson. And I'm Sam Hoganson. You ready to get started? Let's send it. Welcome back to the pod, folks. We are here for episode two, and we're going to be talking more Husky football today. We're going to be deep diving into this Husky defense and the depth chart on this Husky defense, where Sam and I see this defense going this year and uh, what we expect from them. Uh, Quick note that we are now streaming on all major platforms so wherever you listen to your podcasts whether it be apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify those are the major ones uh, but wherever you listen to your podcast chances are you can find us there so please subscribe to us and follow us uh, emerald city fandom is is the name that you should type in and hit that little subscriber follow button and you should get notifications every time that we upload an episode um we appreciate the support and we got a lot of great feedback from the first episode. So thank you everyone that gave us feedback and thank you everyone that listened. Uh, hopefully this podcast grows and grows and grows. And it's something that Sam and I can keep going, keep doing for a very long time. We're having a lot of fun with it, even just to, you know, an episode and 30 seconds in however long we're into this episode. Uh, so we're having a great time with it. So we really want to keep doing it and appreciate all the, all the love and support from all you guys. We've got good content. We're saving the best for last, so you better keep listening. That's right. Yep, we're getting into defense today, but you know the, the offense is where the juicy details are this year. So we'll get into that next episode. Juicy. Uh, but, without, but, but without further ado, uh, we always like introducing what we're sipping on every episode. So Sam, sir, where, what are you drinking tonight? I'm uh, mixing it up. Usually a whiskey guy. Um, Going with beer today, give a quick shout out to my cousin Max over in Bozeman. He goes to school at Montana State. Don't worry, he's over 21 now. Uh, He introduced me to the best beer on the market. It's called Montucky Cold Snacks. You heard that right. Montucky Cold Snacks. Listen, pretty good beer. It's the best beer, and apparently, it is the official, unofficial beer of Montana. So if you haven't had it, check it out. And of course, one beer wouldn't do for such a fantastic podcast that we have lined up today. So I've got my backup beer sitting next to me. It's a shout out to my uncle, Kevin. He brews his own beer, more of an IPA guy. Introduced me to an IPA made by Freem, which is a really interesting name. It's actually spelled P-F-R-I-E-M, Freem IPA. It's good stuff. One of those silent P's. The silent P, it'll get you. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm sipping on today. How about you, Connor? I am currently drinking a Manhattan, fancy. which is almost gone now. Uh, yeah, super fancy. I did not have cherries, so not quite as fancy as it could be. But still delicious nonetheless. And I also have a backup drink, as Sam alluded to. And mine is a Voodoo Ranger IPA by New Belgium. Great IPA, very very hoppy. So if you're not into hops, probably not the not the IPA for you. But if you are, uh, it's a it's a great option. Um, All right, Sam, you ready will, to talk some? 
not quite yet. I, I just need to divulge into this, this okay. Okay. Go into ahead. this drink really quick. It'll yep. help help provide the audience some context into how little I know about these fancy drinks. When you uh said that you didn't have a cherry for a minute, and I was like, Well, don't you mean olives? Martini, That's a martini buddy. Manhattan. They're in the same glass. It's the same drink, brother. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's it's not actually in the same glass. Manhattan is is served in a different glass than a martini, but that's well, okay. They look they look the same. I don't know. They don't. Martini is is vodka <laughs> or gin. Well, I'll stick talking, to my Jack Daniels and my Montucky. Right, you're a whiskey guy, so just stick on that side of right, the board. All right, I'll stay. I'll stay in my lane. All right. <laughs> I know we have a couple housekeeping items, so Connor, why don't you walk us through a couple of those that we missed on the first podcast? Yeah, we got so excited to talk Husky football that we completely missed more more so me uh, missed the one of the key things going on in 2020 with uh, the year of COVID is the opt-out opt-out uh, I guess choice Option. that all the all yeah. all these all these players have and uh, we're seeing it all across college football but especially in the Pac-12 uh, mainly because the Pac-12 was one of the first conferences to uh, cancel their fall sports season. So we saw a lot of players initially react to that. Two of those players that are opting out for the Huskies and pursuing their dreams in the NFL, and you won't see them back ever, is Joe Tryon, a defensive and outside linebacker who was going to be one of the leaders and probably the the main source of a pass rush this year for the Huskies, as well as Le- Levi Onzerike. One of the surprises from last year that didn't come out. Um, we were really looking forward to seeing Levi play this year one more time in, in purple and gold, but he has decided to opt out with the events of COVID and he is pursuing his NFL dream. Obviously, wish those guys the best of luck, but um, we're going to miss them. Two other guys that are opting out uh, of, the, of this season, but are still technically a part of the program right now. We don't know their future. Uh, they they may came, they may, they may come back next year, but they may also be retiring from from football. And that is Jacob Kaiser at tight end, uh, who is probably going to see some playing time this year. He was he was likely in for a pretty pretty major role in the offense, but he has decided to opt out. And uh, the other is Isaiah Gilchrist. He's a defensive back that likely wasn't going to see too much of the field this year, uh, but, but uh, decided to decided to opt out this year. And he's probably the one that I'm, I'm thinking is, is likely hanging up the cleats. I don't, I don't see him coming back to the program. There's just a lot of talent ahead of him. And unless he just wants to stay in school another year, I don't, I don't really see much reason for him to come back. Uh, so those are those are the opt-outs that are affecting the Huskies. Uh, obviously, there's tons of other opt-outs across the conference that we can kind of go into once we start doing game breakdowns week by week and get get into the season. But that's at least how it affects the Huskies this year. Obviously, the opt-outs are 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 we respect their decisions. This is a sensitive year for everyone and. I mean, people need to do what's best for them, right? So uh, this is, again, like we say in the, said in the first episode, that this year has no impact on eligibility for any of any of these players. So whether they had played or not, uh, they don't, they don't uh, 
they don't accrue a year of, of eligibility this year. So they can start afresh from whatever class they were, they were designated in going into 2020, uh, in 2021. But, uh, that's, that's kind of what I have to say about the opt-outs opt out situation. Did you have anything to add, Sam? Yeah, I think just the one interesting thing that people should try to keep tabs on as the NFL draft rolls around is, you know, I think the Joe Tryon opt-out to go to the NFL was a little bit interesting because, you know, he flashes a lot of potential, super athletic, long player, the kind of, you know, body type and athletic capability the NFL just totally drools over. But he hasn't really put together consistent film. And so I think a lot of yep. people had just assumed that he would come back and yep. hopefully have a really stellar year for the Huskies and just kind of solidify himself as a consistent playmaker off the edge as in a pass rushing capacity. Um, without that option, I mean, people were saying, you know, if he had the season that we kind of anticipated he might have, that he would mm -hmm. be a high end first round guy. Yeah, he has that likely. Potential. Likely not the case anymore, but we know how the NFL guys can get with size, speed, you know, that that physical potential aspect. So he still has a chance to get drafted higher, but it'll be something worth keeping tabs on. And it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I would imagine he's probably not a first round guy with the lack wow. of consistent tape he put on, probably ends up, you know, second, third, fourth round. I'd say Levi probably in the same realm, but It'll be yeah, interesting. Levi's probably a third or fourth rounder is my guess. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, those are, those are good, good points to raise. Sam, I, I remember at the Apple cup in 2018, I went over to Pullman and that's one of the first times that Joe really flashed. Yep. And so I was really excited for his 2019 and it, I mean, he, he still showed kind of those same flashes, but he was never consistent with his, with his mm -hmm. pass rush and with his with his ability to get to the quarterback like we were anticipating him him doing in 2019 so it is it, it's one of those guys that i wonder if he hadn't hired an agent if he would have thought about coming back once the pac-12 yep i kind of had the same season. same thoughts and so but once once you hire an agent obviously that was out the door so yeah and maybe another option a little bit of a tangent, but somewhat related to this topic and probably a good segue into our defensive preview is Elijah Molden was probably the only other player yeah. on the Husky defense that people were, you know, sitting on the edge of their chair to see what he would decide to do Absolutely, if he was yeah. going to go to the draft or come back. And he stated his intentions that he will be playing this season, which is awesome. Do you remember how he announced that? I don't remember. How did he? He he put it on. I can't remember if it was Instagram or Twitter, but I think it was Twitter. And he he did the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> well, so thank if God you guys know not. Wolf of Wall Streets, then you should know that scene. It was it was pretty funny though. So I I laughed and also was smiling from ear to ear because I was happy to see that Elijah was coming back for another season. I think everybody is because he's likely our best defensive player on the field next year and Absolutely. expecting big things from him. So with that, let's close the opt-out conversation and jump yep. right into the defense. Mm -hmm. I think before we dive too much into the position groups and talk about you know our projected depth chart and whatnot, I just want to take a minute and give a quick 
overview of the general defensive scheme, how the Huskies are going to line up, and um, piggybacking off of the conversation we had last week around the coaching staff dynamics between Jimmy Lake's ascension from defensive backs coach to defensive coordinator to ultimately now our head coach, there was a little bit of a trade-off in and out for our defensive coordinator, Pete Kwiatkowski. Um, He'll be our defensive coordinator this year, and he was the defensive coordinator for the first handful of years under Coach Pete. Um, Really going to see a lot of the similar things in terms of formation and and scheme. Mm. It's a very cohesive defensive staff. You're going to see us play predominantly a nickel front, which is going to be one less linebacker than your quote unquote traditional, you know, four, three NFL type defense. Five defensive and backs more than you. you're going to get a fifth defensive back on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, in style of play, like I said, that there's been so much continuity on the defensive staff that it's really going to be predominantly the same. Um, the one caveat I'll add to that is when Jimmy Lake rose to take the reins as defensive coordinator, he, and this kind of goes back to a comment I made about Jimmy Lake last episode is Jimmy's got a little edge to him. He's an aggressive guy and he, Jimmy Lake liked the blitz a lot and he with his defensive backs too, right? Yeah. I mean, you remember Baker and Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp was an excellent blitzer. So, yep. And so you saw a lot of blitzing from Jimmy Lake. That was a little bit of a different wrinkle, I guess, from what you are typically seeing from Pete Kwiatkowski mm-hmm. is a little bit more, you know, generating pass rush with your down linemen. Mm-hmm. Again, that's maybe it's, you know, I'm reading too much into it and it's in more indicative of the talent that you have up front, but I think people in general should be very, very comfortable with our defensive situation from a scheme and, you know, style of play perspective. Our best defensive years were when Pete Kwiatkowski was the sole leader of the defense. So there's some people, and quite honestly, I'd probably consider myself in this group that think Kwiatkowski is actually a better defensive coordinator than Jimmy Lake was. So I have high expectations for the defense. Yeah, before before last year, they were number one in the Pac-12 for two or three straight years. I think. I think it was like four or five. It, it might have been. It might. I think it, it might have been four. I think it went back. It was to at least three. It was at least three. It might have been four though. Anyways, but anyway, we've had a damn good defense for a long time. Absolutely. Big reason why is Pete Kwiatkowski. He's still here, taking charge of our defense. We'll be in good hands. Yeah, and one quick thing that I also want to bring up with just the formation and scheme is that uh, the Huskies typically play with two inside linebackers and then two outside linebackers slash DNs. They t- they're typically kind of like big outside linebackers, but they're mostly on on the line for for the most part, or at least one of them is. So just bringing that up real quick, just so that you get a better sense as we go position by position, uh, how how we're breaking this down. Should we get into it? Let's talk death row defense, baby. Absolutely, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it. You want to take it off the top? Start with the DBs? Yeah, so starting with the defensive backs, um, we're starting at the corner position. 
we have two solidified starters at that position. Uh, the first being senior Keith Taylor, bigger body, longer, uh, very similar body type to your Kevin King or Marcus Peters in past years. Uh, one of those players that, you know, kind of underperformed in 2019 though. And, and we're looking for him to rebound this year and, and really have a good senior year. He was one of those players that, that we, I think we, we thought if he had had a good junior year that he had the, he had the size to, to come out early, but with him not recording any kind of interceptions or any major stats like that in, in 2019, he's, he's obviously back for 2020 and we're looking for big, big things from Keith. Uh, at the other cornerback spot, we're looking at Trent McDuffie, true freshman last year that really, really came on and solidified that spot earlier in the year and uh, had some big, just a playmaker, right? I mean, he's he's always around the ball when it's on his side of the field and he's a turnover machine. He He's someone that is going to intercept the ball, get his hands on the ball, past deflections a true cover corner in that sense but he's he's also he's great at that you know peanut punch as as charles tillman was was known for he caused a couple fumbles last year that were that were a big big part of you know the the games that he was able to do that in so um those are the two starters do you want to go into kind of what we're thinking are going to be kind of the backups to those those guys sam yeah yeah for sure so Typically, the way that we've seen the Huskies line up their corners in the past, similarly to what you are used to seeing with the Legion of Boom, Seattle Seahawks, they really play and stick to the side that they're on. And the Huskies like to have a really big bodied corner on one side and then more of your true corner on the other side. And so yep. that's where, to Connor's point, Keith Taylor is going to be your bigger bodied wide receiver press coverage type of yep. type of corner. And when you want to talk about big cornerbacks, Keith Taylor's backup this year, we think will likely be Dominique Hampton. Mm -hmm. He is a massive corner. Think he not added quite, not and he quite added as, like 10 pounds or something this off season, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he's up to like 220, 220? plus. That's ridiculous. That's like a quarter. Brandon Browner status. So if yeah. he can, you know, assuming he doesn't, you know, lose a step in quickness and whatnot, and he's playing effectively at that weight, I think where you're going to see big number 21 make some explosive plays is on special teams. He's going to lay the lumber coming down on kickoffs and punt coverages. So I think you'll see 21 flash a bit more. And then on the other side, you know, honestly, is the Huskies Swiss army knife this year is going to be Kyler Gordon. He is a local kid from the Everett Mill Creek area. I'm a little shout bit biased. Out, shout out Archbishop Murphy. Yeah. The alma mater for me. So I watched him play for a long time. I saw how special of an athlete he was in, at the high school level. And there's a reason why his nickname is Air Gordon, because he's got some bunny hops. He can get up. He's fast. He can lay the lumber as well. So, you know, as we go through this, you're going to hear his name quite a bit because we think that he's likely going to be the main backup at possibly all five positions. So I mm -hmm. think, you know, we were talking off mic earlier, if 
anybody in that secondary goes down, we think Kyler Gordon's going to be the first person to step in, whether that's corner, nickel, or safety. So keep an eye out for him. He'll be wearing number two, which is a special number for the Huskies. It's been a long time retired number for the all time great Chuck Carroll. Um, and it's kind of like an honor for, you know, a, a good teammate, somebody that's really good in the classroom has high integrity. And so he'll be changing his number. I think he was 19 before he'll be number two this year. So watch out for that number flying around. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said, that could be corner and it could be nickel, but I think Connor's going to let you know who's playing nickel and uh, I, he's not going anywhere. He's going to be the best <laughs> player on the field. Yes. We talked about him earlier. That's Elijah Molden folks. Uh, this guy is probably one of the contenders for defensive player of the year in the PAC 12. One of those guys that just pops, you know, like he, he stands out not only just with the statistics, but when you, when you watch film of this guy, like he just, looks like a different style of player he's you know he's he's that st- he's that big of an impact and that that much of a playmaker he's um, everywhere he, he he like i remember watching both the apple cup last year as well as the bowl game against boise state and he was easily the best player on the field both times both both of those games um, so he really came on strong at the end of last year. So we're really expecting big things from Elijah. He's obviously a huge leader on this defense and someone that has NFL talent. Um, and he's just, he's one of those guys that just bleeds purple and gold, which I love because his dad went to Oregon. So that's right. You got to rub that in a little bit. And, you know, the fact that we were able to get our hands on Elijah highly recruited and didn't honestly really come on until, you know, the last couple of years, and uh really really expecting big things from elijah this year i mean wouldn't you agree sam that he's he's probably probably top three or four as regarded as far as looking forward to this season in the pac 12 on the defensive side for defensive player of the year absolutely i think one of the things that really makes elijah molden a special player um you can think about buddha baker to a certain level in terms of just football IQ, Mm -hmm. he's just a straight up football player. He knows how to play the game. He feels the game. And when I say feel the game, a great example of that was in our game last year against USC, USC was driving down the field at a pretty pivotal point in the game. They, you know, drove down to probably our inside our 10 yard line, ready to score to either bring the game within reaching distance or potentially take the lead. I don't remember the exact score at the time. And they were throwing a slant route to their go-to receiver, Michael Pittman, who's in the NFL now. Mm-hmm. And Elijah Molden, I think was supposed to be playing a zone out into the flat. And I think he was just reading the quarterback's eyes and drifted inside and snatched the ball and pretty much sealed the game. And so that was such a key play in that game. Yeah, it was a huge play. And that's just an example of the kind of player that he is. You know, he He's might a clutch not, player too. He might not wow you with his size or speed, but mm-hmm. he just has a feel for the game that he it's is that instinct. More often than not, you're gonna find number three in the right place at the right time. Really sets him apart. Um, so yeah, definitely expecting big things from Molden this year. Yeah, similar to McDuffie, he's just a playmaker and he's always around yeah. the ball, really good at causing turnovers and uh, 
just making plays, you know, around the ball. Tackles for losses, he's great at that too. He's good at get, getting in the backfield. So really excited to see uh, what he does for his senior year. Uh, I think we're going to transition to the safeties. So we have a couple guys here that were true freshmen last year that, you know, is a very inexperienced group last year, but these guys both played a lot last year. And so we're expecting big steps from them as they transition into sophomores. First one being Asa Turner. He's a big recruit, big dude. Um, and he only got bigger oh, this, yeah. this over the off season. I think he gained another 15 pounds or something like that. Yeah. He's, he's definitely put in the work in the weight room for sure, which for somebody as tall and lanky as he was as a true yeah. freshman, you know, was really important. And I think that's a, a testament to our strength and conditioning coach. Uh, no coach Coach Saha does a good job, and it looks like Asa is ready to, you know, pick up where he left off, coming on hot at the end of last year. Yeah, he really he really turned it up towards the end of last year. He had a pick in the bowl game, I think, and I don't think he had one in the Apple Cup, but he had one that, like the game before that too. I'm trying to remember, but anyway, so Asa Turner is going to be huge on this defense as well just another playmaker you're you're gonna hear me say that a lot with many of these players because a lot of them quite frankly are playmakers you know they that's that's what this defense under jimmy lake and under pete kwiatkowski have you know they've developed that that mantra of playmakers and you know you hear you hear this mantra of from jimmy Lake. you hear this a lot is score get the ball back yep and they 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 live by that you know they either want they either want to create a turnover and score off of that turnover, or they want to force you into a punting situation to get that ball back on the offensive side. So Asa Turner is one of those guys that is really primed to have a, have a breakout year. I think this year. Yeah, totally agree. I think moving over alongside him at the other safety spot, um, as Connor mentioned, another true freshman last year that saw a lot of playing time, I think, you know, maybe took his freshman lumps a little bit, had some issues tackling, yeah. but definitely showed that, you know, to Connor's point and playmaking ability is there and shows some really soft hands that you would expect out of a wide receiver is Cam Williams. Um, we think that hopefully he'll be able to, you know, adapt to the speed of the game, take better angles to the to the ball carrier and get himself in better tackling positions this upcoming year but i think he should have a really good year um he'll be wearing number six this year uh you'll you'll notice i'm gonna try to to the best that i can drop in the numbers that these players are wearing that's one of the things that yeah, thank you sam has been really difficult for me this offseason we've seen an a lot of number ab changes abnormal amount of number changes so it's quite honestly for somebody that bleeds Husky football, <laughs> even for me, it's been hard to keep up with all the number changes. So Especially when we, we work... switch over to offense, right? Like yeah. a couple so of the running as... backs have new numbers. So Exactly. And so as we walk through the list, um, we'll, we'll try to provide insight into numbers. It's easier to remember a number anyway. So yeah. Cam Williams will be wearing number six this year, um, expecting good things from him. But again, kind of reverting back to my main man, Kyler Gordon, this is a mm -hmm. spot where he could potentially, you know, be pushing for a starting gig. 
if if Cam isn't making it happen. So it'll just be interesting to see how it all shakes out. We've got a couple of other interesting backup players that haven't been yeah. tested in the line of fire. Connor, mm-hmm. if you want to go into some details about those promising talents. Yeah. So I think Asa, I think Sam and I both agree that Asa is pretty solidified in one of those safety roles. And as Sam was alluding to, Cam Williams is the guy. He started as a true freshman yep. from the beginning last year. And then he was still playing, but he wasn't necessarily getting as much playing time kind of in the middle of the year last year. And the guy that filled in for him was Brandon McKinney. Uh, I think he's a junior this year. Is that correct? He's either a junior. He might be a senior. Be a he's, no, he's been around the block for a while. Yeah, so I he's can, been around I for a while. I, the What I remember Brandon McKinney by, honestly, is the Rose Bowl when oh, Taylor geez. Rapp ended up not playing and Brendan McKinney filled in for him and got burnt like real bad. So like two of the touchdowns, it was, yeah, it was him. pretty, pretty much like if Taylor Rapp plays that game, we're probably in it. And we still actually, I mean, by a score final score, we were kind of in it, but it didn't feel like it. Right. I mean, if first if half Taylor, was rough. Yeah. If, if, if Taylor Rapp's playing that game, I don't think they go up big on us. So Brandon McKinney, honestly, he played better last year. He, he's the guy that kind of came in again, like I said, for Cam Williams. And he solidified that, that safety position a little bit just with his, his leadership and his experience at the position. But, you know, I'm not super psyched about Brandon, Brandon McKinney. I think yeah. if anyone takes over that role, it's probably going to be Kyler just because of his athleticism. Sam and I were talking off mic earlier that they're just going to have to find a way to get Kyler Gordon on the field. I mean, this defensive backs room, which huge testament to, to Jimmy Lake is just loaded and yeah. there's so much talent and it's really hard to get on the field, but Kyler's one of those guys that he's just too talented and you've really seen him. You've, you've seen him shine on special teams. He did. I will say he did struggle at the beginning of last year when mm-hmm. he was starting at Trent McDuffie's spot now. He, he just, he He's seemed a little to lack, he, he seemed to, he seemed, yeah. And I think that goes back to just like, he, he seemed to lack confidence in that yeah. position. One of the things that I think is that Kyler, I think would honestly fill in better as a safety. I think he's a little bit more yeah. natural of a safety. So I could see him possibly overtaking Cam Williams for that, for that other safety position, position opposite of Asa Turner. But um, another guy that could factor into the mix, which he's a little bit more built like Asa Turner, so he's he's more of that backup, is Julius Irvin. One of these guys that was highly recruited out of high school and ended up redshirting last year. Is that correct? He's a redshirt freshman, I think, this year. Yep. Yeah, so one of those guys that, again, was highly recruited, hasn't seen the field yet, so we'll see if he's able to... Do, did he end up seeing the field? Did he end up playing last year a little bit? No. So Julius Irvin, he actually, he's a sophomore. I'm just looking at it now. He's a sophomore. Yep. He's kind of, you know, highly regarded guy out of high school. He's got yep. really good football bloodlines for some of the listeners. They might recognize Leroy Irvin is his dad. I think he was a long time Los Angeles Ram back in, back in the day. 
when the Rams were in LA before they moved to St. Louis. Um, he's kind of just had some, you, you know, we classic Huskies and college football, you don't really hear much details in terms of injuries, but yeah, through the rumor mill, we've found out that he's been dealing with some nagging injuries. It doesn't seem like anything okay. that's been serious. So I'd say at this point, you know, I wouldn't draw any conclusions into his ability for the reason why he's had a lack of playing time. And there mm-hmm. seems to be some injury issues there, but sounds like he's been coming on recently in one of the uh, UW football tweets. They send out some practice videos. He pretty much picked up Ty Jones, our biggest wide receiver, and WWE body slammed him. So, <laughs> love it. Needless to say, Irvin's looking pretty good based off the 10 second clips. Pretty, so. pretty, pretty good. Yeah. So, he could make some noise there as well. Um, so, we'll see. I mean, like Connor said, it's a loaded, loaded defensive backfield. It'll be interesting to see how people shake out. Um, going back to, we were wondering what Brandon McKinney is. He's actually a senior, so it could be a pivotal pivotal year for him. Yep, maybe you know, proves us wrong. Yeah, I mean he's he's got physical ability. He's a big guy, and he's, he's been sol- he's honestly been solid. I just I can't get the Rose Bowl out of my head, so yeah, I'm was, just a little biased. That was a bad look. And then it's one of those things that like saying like. Peyton Henry was great last year, but because he missed a game-winning kick against Oregon in 2018, right. dead we, to me. We don't but need I to be it. reminiscing on all these losses, Connor. I'm going to cut you off right there. We're, we're none more. Do we want to talk about Alex Cook at all, or do we just kind of want to brush him by converter receiver? Yeah, I think he's probably, you know, in a Athletic, similar, but... similar role as McKinney. You know, it just doesn't seem like in a loaded secondary that he's going to have yeah, a significant impact. Um, one of the things I do want to touch on again, going back to my main man, Kyler Gordon, before we yep. move on from this position group, mm-hmm. is I really like the point that you made, Connor, about he's just such a special talent and we need to find a way to get him on the field. And it's yep. quite, you know, it's honestly ridiculous that he's not starting. He mm-hmm. would probably start on every other Pac 12 yep. defense somewhere yep. in the backfield. Cal would be the only exception maybe, but yeah, pretty much. Yeah, maybe. Um, so I think one of the places we might see him on the field where he can make some noise is in the return game on, you know, fielding kicks and punts. So mm-hmm. I've seen yep. him again, going back to high school, I've seen him do some pretty crazy ass things with the ball in his hands. So yeah. I'm hopeful That's a that really, he takes I'm that really position. Glad, yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up, Sam, because we have, we've seen reports from, all the reporters this off season and in fall camp just saying how Kyler Gordon's going to play a role in this team. And he's he's the, the best athlete on the team, hands down. Yep. And if you haven't folks check out the UW football Instagram, I believe it's UW underscore football and check out this photo of Kyler Gordon leaping for, I believe an interception or kind of the deflection whatever he's playing defense and he's leaping in the air and i'm not understating this he's like probably four four and a half feet in the air yeah i mean basically go to the instagram and look for a photo that looks like superman and that's the one we're talking about that's kyler gordon you're not going to miss it again air gordon is his nickname for a reason 
I think at the Husky mock combine where they put the current players through, you know, your NFL combine drills, vertical 40 yard dash bench press, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think they recorded them at 42 and a half inch vertical, which is an elite vertical for yeah. basketball players, let alone. Might've been a, oh, I might've been overstating four feet, but like, I'm just saying like, it looked like that. So yeah, check it out. Cool. So again, defensive backfield, like we're expecting big things from them been solid. And one of the, you know, bright spots of this defense for years. So I can't see, I can't see around that, that this year is going to be any different than that. So Locked I, down. Yeah. So I, I, I anticipate the, the defensive backfield to be pretty, pretty good. And as a great paradox or juxtaposition, rather, I'm not very good at vocabulary, but juxtaposition, let's talk about our inside linebackers who sucked last year. They were awful last year. It was widely regarded as the biggest pitfall of this defense last year at inside linebacker. Mostly one guy at inside linebacker. And I don't know if we want to talk about him or not. He's off the team now. Obviously, he graduated last year. But Kyler Manu should not have seen the field last year, I will say. No. We have we have some qualms with the personnel decisions by Bob Gregory last year. We'll get yep. into that, I'm sure. But why don't you yep. kind of give them intro to who we think will be holding down the inside linebacker positions for this year? Yeah, so as you mentioned, Bob Gregory is the linebackers coach, and he had an interview last week, and not surprising that he, he listed Eddie Ulofuscio and Jackson Sermon as the two guys that he expects to probably start at those inside linebacker roles. Um, Eddie is one of those guys that you you got to love, right? I mean, he's, cool he's, one of those, he's one of those walk-ons. Last year, he was awarded scholarship this, this last offseason in the winter. So just I, one of those players that just has grit, which the position was lacking obviously earlier in the year you want to hold on for a second go ahead you want you want to talk about grit you find a linebacker from alaska he's gonna have grit true granted he played his last couple of years in vegas but eddie's from alaska he's Mm -hmm. he's country strong he's got the grit and he's gonna make some plays for us for sure on saturday really really came on strong at the end of last year i remember the oregon state game towards the end of last year was a big breakout performance for him and expecting big things from Eddie this year. Again, like Sam said, cool story, walk on similar to like a miles Bryant type thing, you know, walk on that ends up, you know, becoming on coming on to scholarship and doing great things in purple and gold. So we're, we're fully expecting Ulo Foscio to continue where he left off last year and really kind of be the leader of that inside linebacker group. And the other guy is Jackson Sermon. Um, solid, solid linebacker. I wouldn't say he stands out really in any particular way, but he's he's a good football player. Um, he's he's a he's a quality starter and has experience at that position, especially opposite of Eddie. So they they had a pretty good tandem towards the end of last year. But honestly, 
most of the excitement at the inside linebacker roles uh, is, is in the depth and For possibly, sure. possibly some of those guys unseating the guys that are, that are starting more. So I would say on the Jackson sermon side, but I don't know, Sam, do you want to talk about those guys a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe in the same group as the veterans being Jackson sermon and Eddie Ulafoscio uh, you should include MJ Tafisi. He's yep. been around for a while. He's he was starting to play really well. He has a reputation for being a really hard hitter, a thumper of a linebacker. Yeah. He got he injured is, last year. He got a stinger. Like, yeah, midway through the year. Yeah, he was a victim of some friendly fire. Actually, and, was that the BYU game? Yep, I don't remember which game it was. That was pretty early, actually. He he had a bad head injury they yeah. might call it a stinger but yeah it was more than that though he it was, was more like your field. it was more your cam chancellor you know cliff Averill's yeah. type of stinger that yeah end, so ends careers but he's back. so it sounds like he's back and he's playing well in practice mm-hmm. i think he's definitely an x factor he brings you know an element of physicality that last year's linebackers for sure lacked a mm-hmm. level of violence that he plays the game with that you want a linebacker to um, so I, I expect if he's truly healthy and recovered from head neck injury that he's been dealing with, he could make some noise at that position. Um, and to your point, Connor, there is a, a bevy of talent at this position that hasn't even young talent seen the field before. The only yep. one that has is Alfonso Tupatala. I believe he is a product of federal way. Um, he played in check that for you. He played in two or three games last season. He's a big bodied, tall linebacker. I really like him. I think he could do some really nice things for us. Um, federal way, of, you're right. Federal way. Awesome. Yep. And so I'm rooting for him. I, I seem to like him a lot. He was kind of an unheralded recruit. Some people yeah. looked Three sideways seven. when we, you know, offered him, but I think he could surprise some people and be a really good player so i think he'll be you know one of the top four linebackers in the rotation Mm -hmm. going down the list a little bit more into some of those players that we're talking about that haven't been able to see the field for numerous reasons two of them injury related uh, redshirt freshman joshua calvert was Mm -hmm. highly regarded recruit and actually rumors had it that he was ready to start last season and think in the second or third week of fall camp he blew his knee out sounds like he's still maybe had a setback or something but just not quite 100 percent yet so i don't really anticipate yeah, he's still in a brace yeah i don't anticipate much from him this season but definitely a name to keep in mind for, for sure next you know 2021 and beyond mm-hmm. another one in the injury category would be mickey mm-hmm. ayu from hawaii mm-hmm. he's more of your BBK style linebacker. He's yeah. smaller in stature, 6'5, 210, 215, but has wheels and he's seems to always be around the ball in his high school film. So I think, you know, he's kind of a dark horse. And then I would say the the most highly regarded linebacker coming out of high school that we have on the roster is Danny the Hammer Hamuli. He's also kind of in that BBK mold. Yep. Not a huge guy. I think he didn't see the field last year because he needed a year in the weight room and mature his body a little bit. His weight is up to now 215, 220. 
and he's the one that really provides an element of speed and coverage ability to this group that mm -hmm. quite frankly everyone else down the list doesn't have so if yep. i had to pick somebody in the linebacker room to break out and be the person that's never played before and contribute i would say it will be danny hamuli i think he provides an element that nobody else does and I think that just is so important in today's game with the spread and being able to cover sideline to sideline. Yeah, for sure, Sam. I, I completely agree with that. I would say that, you know, Sam and I have talked off mic about how I think ideally at the middle linebacker, inside linebacker spots, you have Eddie at one spot, Ula Fushio, and then MJ, MJ Tafisi at the other spot. Yeah. But, I mean, the more that we talk about Dan, the man, the hammer. the hammer. I almost like I almost like the combination of Eddie and Dan opposite of each other, you know? So, From an outsider's perspective, that would be my ideal pairing for yep. sure. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, obviously these guys gotta prove it. And it's not just us fans that that decide this stuff. It's it's ultimately the coach's decision. So they gotta really impress the coaches in in fall camp and especially once they get on the field. One of the things that I, I, I do want to bring this up, Sam, is one of the things that I've, I've noticed is a trend from this coaching staff is at when these inexperienced players are brought up, that's one of the things that they harp on is the fact that they, ha they, they need to prove it on Saturdays, yeah. you know? So, Give them a chance, coach. Yep. I, I mean, it, this is the perfect year to do it. They, these guys have – nothing to lose from an eligibility standpoint. I understand, you know, the risks of, of this season and everything. Like I, I want to be, you know, sensitive to that, but at the same time, you know, these guys, this is the perfect year to do this. They, they have, they have no eligibility concerns this year. You might as well, you know, give them a chance out there, especially, especially if there's a, there's a game that we're way up or God forbid way down, give these guys a chance. And, see what they can do. Uh, so I, uh, Daniel Haimuli is one of those guys that I think fits that mold and is someone that I'm hoping to see on the field this year and maybe For even sure. later in the year starting. So, yeah, I think that would be awesome. That, I see. don't think that's out of the question. No, not at all. I think on the defensive side of the ball, this was the position where you're likely to see, you know, the most, you know, the highest number of players coming in and out. And I, to Connor's point, I think it would be foolish of the coaches to not take advantage of this year to learn about what they have on the roster and see, yep. you know, practice is one thing, but when the bright lights come on at Saturday at Husky stadium, who's gonna, who's gonna make it happen. And you got to give them a chance. And that's one of the, you know, knocks on Bob Gregory last year was it took him, two thirds of the season to let Eddie Ulofosio off the leash and wreak yep. havoc. And so hopefully that was a learning moment and we get some of these young guys that are hungry to prove that, you know, they belong on big time division one football fields and it'd be exciting for the fans to see what they can do. Yep. Sure. That's the, the inside linebacker group is the, is the position that we need to see the most growth from this year in order for the Huskies defense to be, you know, what we expect them to be and succeed and, you know, take this team to new heights. So I'm cautiously optimistic. 
yeah i think there's there's talent at the position it's it all depends on you know who gets chances and who makes the most of their their opportunities so shall we move on to the outside linebacker slash dn kind of leo type of position yeah let's kick it off with rhino the Ryan, Ryan Bowman, the bow, the bow man. They call his nickname's Rhino for a reason. The kid's mm-hmm. built like one, six foot, two eighty, straight muscle. Not a linebacker. No, he's going to be a defensive end. <laughs> and you know, actually, the playoff of your comments on Eddie Ulofosio being a great mm-hmm. story and a walk-on earning scholarship. Yep. Ryan Bowman, he's one of those guys. He he's a local product. Played three years at Bellevue High School, grew up mm-hmm. here. He played his senior year down at IMG Academy in Florida, which is not really a high school. They just basically play football and <laughs> class A, B, and C is football. One of these one, academy products. Yep. And so he came up here as a walk-on. His older brother was on the team at the time, Shane Bowman. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, Ryan Bowman's just been a steady steady eddie player for from day one too yeah honestly like he's i mean he he flashed his freshman year which was just again one of those uh, one of those things like ulufushio like he just uh, he kind of came out of nowhere yep that's finding a diamond in the rough and i think that's a common theme that you'll find throughout the whole roster is our 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 coaching staff is really good at finding some of these unheralded recruits and developing them into solid players. You look at somebody like Will Disley, you know, mm-hmm. shout out number two to Bozeman, Montana on this podcast. <laughs> Will Disley's from Bozeman. He was a yep. two-star recruit, came over here, played defensive end for a year or two, switched over to tight end. Next thing you know, he's catching touchdowns from Russell Wilson on Sundays. So whether Ryan Bowman is going to be an NFL guy or not, I think he's probably earned a, a shot at a rookie training camp at least. But yeah. I think he's for sure got one of our outside linebacker defensive end positions on lockdown. He'll mm-hmm. be more than likely the one side of the linebackers that will be more hand in the ground defensive lineman style, less dropping back into coverage like a traditional linebacker would. Um He's definitely, you know, caused some disruption. He's good at rushing the passer, which is kind of counterintuitive for being built like a rhino, short, kind of stubby <laughs> arms. But he's pretty he, quick, though. He can't beat heart, man. Yeah. He can't beat heart. And he's a good player. He's a solid player. Expect him to hold down that spot. Mm-hmm. He'll likely be backed up this year by Zion Pipolo Fatui. ZTF. Yeah, we'll just stick with ZTF. That's we'll we'll stick with ZTF because that's a nightmare of a name, which is yeah. a common theme upon many of these Hawaiian players. So yeah, so ZTF, he's a big boy. He's six three, six four, two eighty. He's gonna be, you know, backing up Ryan Bowman in that more on the line of scrimmage defensive mm-hmm. end role. He, you know, picked up some playing time towards the end of last year and. The coaches rave about him. The way that he moves at that weight is big pretty dude. special. So yeah, athletic. Expect, expect big things out of him. But you know, I'll let you handle the really exciting position, which is going to be the outside linebackers on the other side are some very, very, very special talents. 
Yeah, and this is the spot that you know would have would have been filled in by the opted out Joe Tryon. So, um, you know, upon Tryon declaring for the NFL, some young guys get some some opportunities here. But one of these guys that saw quite a bit of playing time last year and and really did a solid job as a true freshman is uh, Laiatu Latu. Is that correct? Nailed it. Damn, I, I'm definitely going to mispronounce like some of these names at some point, but I nailed we'll that one. So, yeah. So he's he's someone that's another decent sized body, um, and really a physical player. I remember a couple of hits that he had last year, and one of the like a couple of them, I just I I felt myself just watching as a <laughs> fan at home. So he's someone that hits hard um, and is is a solid option opposite of of Ryan Bowman um, in in that outside linebacker DN role. I think he got our safety last year. Our only yes. safety was him and Trent McDuffie combined on it. Yep, yep. And I think that was that was another pretty big hit right in the oh, yeah. in the end zone there. Yeah. So so someone that's uh, again got a nose for the ball and is always around the ball and. Uh, when when he gets a chance to tackle someone, he's going to do it pretty physically. So, he's going to be he's going to be the one asked to fill in the big shoes of Joe Tryon, who yep. we talked about at the top of the episode, yep. who's opting out to the NFL. Will be you know the whole next man up mentality. Latu is you know expected to fill those shoes, and quite frankly, those around the program think that he'll be able to do exactly that. Yeah, we honestly didn't see a lot of pass rush situations with him last year. So I'm interested to see what he can do from that standpoint. But um, everything that I've heard from Paul camp is that he's, he's filling that role pretty admirably. So excited to see what he can do. The guy behind him is the guy that I've been waiting to talk about highest recruit that the Huskies have had since Shaq Thompson. You hear that? Which he's, I hear he plays on Sundays and, you know, is a pretty good linebacker for the, uh, for the Panthers. So $54 million contract. No big yeah, deal. Not a big deal. It's kind of good. Yeah. So anyway, guy yeah, I'm talking about Savelle Smalls and this guy's a five airfield homegrown hero. That's Absolutely. what you call him. Yep. So I remember there was a big recruiting push on this guy and, you know, credit the dog pack for making an impact on this guy's this guy's decision on sticking, sticking home and, you know, staying at UW. We should rather staying home and sticking at UW. We should talk about that because, you know, you don't get players like this without your fair share of drama. And this was absolutely coach Pete, his recruiting classes, you know, pretty boring. They all committed. They honored their commitment Mm -hmm. before signing day. You already knew what the class was. Everybody signed (laughs) as soon as possible. It was a done deal. No drama. Coach Pete is no nonsense, no drama kind of guy. Okay. Gee, he he wants, he wants his guys to recruit like their junior year, right? Yeah. Or like commit their junior year. Brought the drama. So basically for those that don't know, you know, being a hometown guy, we knew that the Huskies, or I guess we didn't know, but 
we all assumed that the Huskies would be in the running up until, you know, the finish line in the recruitment for his choice. And it was, must've been in the springtime before his senior season, he came mm-hmm. out with his top six schools. And I, I'm not going to know all the teams specifically, but there were two teams on it and one team not on it. And the two teams that were on his top six were the Oregon Ducks and Wazoo and the Huskies were left off, mm-hmm. which was, I mean, you want to talk about seeing a Husky, Husky nation get up in arms and pissed at somebody. You don't come out with a top six and list Oregon and Wazoo and not UW. So there was some, you know, fan. And he had, he had, he had like literally stated and been outspoken about how he didn't want to go to UW. He wanted to get away from home and yep. this and that. And so long story short, we, you know, the, you know, hats off to the Husky coaches recruiting him. They kind of gave him his space, didn't push him too hard, respected his decision. And I think when we did that and we didn't push harder or, you know, call him out for what he did, I think he gained a lot of respect for the Husky coaches and ended up coming around in the end. I think a big part of that was he transferred from Garfield to Kennedy Catholic for his Mm -hmm. senior season Mm -hmm. down in the SeaTac area. And who plays quarterback for Kennedy Catholic one by Sam Heward, uh, the number one quarterback in the nation in high school this year committed to UW UW legacy with his dad, Damon Heward, uncle Brock Heward, uh, really looking forward to 2021 when Sam Heward is our starting quarterback. So anyways, we'll get, I think, we'll get there, Sam, we'll get there. I know I'm jumping ahead of the game here, but anyways, I think it's worth noting that I think Sam Heward had a, an, you know, huge role in getting Savelle Smalls to change his decision and no doubt. stay close to home. But anyways, we're going off on a little bit of a tangent, but end of the story, he's wearing number 17 this year. Right now, he wore number nine in high school mm-hmm. with Joe Tryon leaving. Number nine's available, so it might be <laughs> yet another jersey change, but whatever number he wears – you're going to see that number on top of the opposing quarterback a lot this year. Yeah, he's going to stand out. And just mostly from an athletic standpoint, the guy just... We don't have anyone like him at this position right now. We have some bigger dudes, but he's 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 not quite as big as a Ryan Bowman or a Latu, but he is tremendously faster. Explosive. And and explosive as book. So yeah, if I'm you... really excited to see if, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily want him to take Latu's position, but he's definitely going to have a rotational role this year. Oh, for sure. Especially in pass rushing situations. And yep. for those of you out there that were listening last week and took our advice and watched the Alabama Georgia game, if you want an idea of what Savelle Smalls looks like and will eventually play like, watch Alabama's defensive ends and outside linebackers. <laughs> That's what you're going to get out of Savelle Smalls. Yep, he's that kind of talent. Nick Saban wanted him and wanted him bad. Yeah, very excited so, for Savelle to, you know, make an impact on this team this year and years years going forward. So. For sure. uh, super, super stoked to have this five-star recruit in-house. Now that we've had our big 
Sabelle Small's fanboy moment. Uh, <laughs> maybe we should continue on down the list and talk about the big boys. Let's do it. Yeah, so uh, we have we have two defensive tackles uh, that had some pretty decent playing time last year. That um, one of them is a seasoned veteran in Josiah Bronson. He's a senior this year. Uh, with with the COVID rules and him not really probably being a true NFL talent, he definitely could come out if he wanted to. But this is one of those guys that I look at possibly coming back for a sixth year next year of eligibility. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to say about that, Sam. But Yeah, I think it would actually be his seventh year. So would he's it be a seventh? Of, oh, well, yeah. yeah. He's kind of got a oh, crazy story. Did he have story. an injury? Did he have a great gray shirt? Yeah, so he's an interesting story as well. He's a local guy from Kent area. His mm-hmm. Actually, his older brother, Demetrius Bronson, mm-hmm. I think they played at Kent Wood, maybe Kent Ridge. Uh, there's so many Kent uh, schools. It's Kent Wood. It's Kent yeah, Wood. Kent Wood. Demetrius Bronson played for the Huskies for a couple of years, I think yep. transferred over to Eastern Washington or Idaho. Can't really remember, but he Sounds ended great. up with the Seahawks for the scout team a year or two. Um, but yeah. anyways, back to Josiah Bronson, he graduated from Kentwood and I think he went to temple where he had back-to-back mm-hmm. season ending injuries. Mm-hmm. So I think he got a red shirt freshman year, then an injury red shirt and he Pretty jumped sure. over yeah. here. So I think he, if he comes back next year, it would be a seventh year for him. <laughs> Which is a guy on the offensive side of the ball that might also come back for a seventh year, but we'll save that for next episode. Yeah. And I guess one last thing on Josiah Bronson too, before we move on to the really promising talent at this position is yeah. he's a, he's a pretty athletic big dude. I think he, mm-hmm. you know, clocks in at 300 plus pounds and he had a memorable play maybe two years ago now on a, on punt coverage where he ran down and Keel Harry. Yeah, it was two years ago, I think. And Keel Harry from Arizona state, he plays for the new England Patriots. Now had a punt return. He picked it up on his own goal line and he was all, you know, nothing but green grass in front of him headed for a touchdown. Uh-huh. And he got caught from behind by Josiah Bronson. Maybe he had a good angle on him, but a 300 pound defensive lineman catching up yeah. to a wide receiver is special. Impressive. So yeah. He has the physical ability and I think there's a chance that he could have a special year, but you know, I, I do think the exciting talent is, you know, similarly to the linebackers a little bit unproven, but some highly regarded recruits on the defensive line for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and we'll get into those in a second here. I do want to note that Levi Onzarike was going to be the other defensive tackle that would start opposite of Josiah Bronson. So with him opting out for the NFL, it is Tuli time. Tuli Lake, Tuli Nasanoa. Another one of those names that I will never get right, probably. I got you. I appreciate that, Sam. Yeah, 62305, sophomore big dude um and yeah one of those highly regarded recruits um we stole him from usc yeah so yeah (laughs) that's that's one of those things that we can hang our hat on you know so yeah i'm i'm looking here he's yeah he's out of concord california went to de la salle 
just a pretty pretty pronounced school down in California. They they pump out some pretty good pretty good football talent. So yeah, uh, he's he's one of those guys that's definitely gonna have to step up to the plate this year. And uh, he's he's played a little bit, but he's still fairly unproven mm-hmm. and uh he's gonna have to take that next step this year which i fully expect him to uh just because of his uh, just because of his talent alone um yeah one of those guys that i'm really excited to see play for us uh in purple and gold this this year yeah for sure and in the past when he has seen playing time he's generally been partnered with his uh teammate sam taimani they came in in the same class and Mm -hmm. sam taimani is a big man if ryan bowman is a rhino we should be calling sam taimani a fucking elephant (laughs) his i mean we all remember vita vea with just free trunks for legs sam taimani is of the same stature same build really get well soon vita I know. Get well soon, Vita. Um, but yeah, Sam Taimani is another guy. He's probably the third man in that rotation for now. Yep, for Wouldn't sure. be surprised if, uh, and again, going back to the general you know, scheme and you know formations that we play, the defensive linemen under Pete Kutkowski have been known to more or less be used in a hockey shift pattern where you'll see two players usually come yep. on and off, substituting a lot, keep you know, fresh legs on the field. So Sam Taimani is going to be a name that you'll see on the field quite a bit. And then really those are the top three, you know, somewhat proven players in Thule, Leituli Nasanoa, Josiah Bronson, Sam Taimani. Everyone behind them is redshirt freshmen or true freshmen. And I think there's up to debate who of that, you know, redshirt freshman group is going to take that fourth spot. I think Connor and I are both pretty excited about Jacob Bandez. He, mm-hmm. you know, had, had a great senior year in high school, went to a lot of the all-star games and performed extremely well against the top linemen in the country. He was slated to contribute a little bit last year. He had a, you know, emergency operation for appendicitis right as the season came along and that kind of seemed to be just enough of a setback for him that he more or less took a medical red shirt last season but he is fully healthy again I expect big things from Jacob Bandez and then in that group the other highly regarded recruit that we got from Hawaii is Fa'atui Tuatele mm-hmm. he is a special talent he's also kind of been dealing with a little bit of a nagging injury I think he has a partially torn pectoral muscle and our training staff decided to go the route of rehab instead of surgery. So hoping that that was the right choice and that he's rehabbed and he's at full health. And if he is, you know, between Fa'atui Tuitele and Jacob Bandez, you know, one of the two of them is going to be I'd expect all both of them to be in, in the rotation, but one of those two is going to cement themselves as the fourth player. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be exciting to see how it, it, this is alluding to kind of, you know, and going back to what we were saying in, in the first episode, as far as just the size, you know, and athleticism 
of this team is on another level. One of the things I forgot to bring up last episode is, you know, Chris Peterson as as, you know, highly regarded as he was and as much as we appreciate him to taking this program back to new heights, you know, and putting them back on the map, he never really won a big game, like a big bowl game. And, you know, those kinds of games, when you're going up against an Alabama or a Penn State, a lot of those SEC and Big Ten schools in these major bowl games, a lot of that comes from, you know, the size and athleticism that you have on that, you know, on that defensive front and, you know, the offensive fronts as far as just the lines go. So I'm really, I'm really excited to see where this program can head with these types of bodies, if that makes sense. Yeah. We look the part now. We look the yeah. part. So, we... and it, I mean, more than anything, I just, I, I always go back to that Alabama game. You know, I mean, we, we looked okay to start with, you know, went up seven zero. And then after that, it was just completely a dredging by Alabama physically, you know, just did not match up to them. Um, along the lines and, and down on the trenches. So I'm, it's one of those things that I've been, I've been harping on since that game. And, you know, we're, we're finally starting to see that come to fruition a little bit. So I'm excited to see where, where this program can head with the types of recruits that they're getting on both sides of the ball at those positions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the big games are won by the big boys in the trenches. So mm -hmm. I think we finally have the bodies to do that. We've got big time players and it'll be to Connor's point. It'll be fun to see us, you know, see how we stack up against some of the top competition. So, yeah, I think after wrapping up the defensive tackle talk, you know, that pretty much rounds out the defense for us. Mm -hmm. I think we obviously, you know, want to tackle some special teams as well. Typically when you're reviewing the defensive side of the ball, that will include the long snapper and the punter. Mm -hmm. You're going to see some new faces in both of those positions this year. We have a true freshman, Jaden Green long snapper. I actually, is he a true freshman or was he a junior college mm -hmm. transfer? That's a good question. While you check on that, um, yep, I got it. moving over to punter, you know, that spot has been held down by Joel Whitford. We've seen the trend of Australian rugby players moving over into the American football leagues, whether that's the NFL, college football, and, you know, most notable of that, you have like a Michael Dixon, you have mm -hmm. a, you know, Mitch Wisnowski from Utah. And for the last couple of years at UW, you've had Joel Whitford has been a great punter for us. And sparingly, we've had race punt race Porter has been a good punter for us. He's more of the directional punting spiral type punting style, but we have a redshirt freshman, Kristen Brown as our punter this year. I think all bets are that he'll secure that job full time. Again, you might see race, Order sprinkled in there situationally yeah they typically it, it's not uncommon for us to use multiple punters so right so it'll be interesting to see you know punting is a very very 
important part of the game. You yeah. know, going back to the Don James era, he put a field position huge, extremely high emphasis on winning the special teams game. And, you know, we've been strong in that area in terms of punting recently. So we're all hoping Tristan Brown can, you know, pick off where Joel Whitford left off. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he comes in with some fanfare. He, you know, is a highly regarded recruit. He went through the Chris Saylor kicking program, which is a nationally recognized place kicker and punting program. Um, So, I think most people feel fairly comfortable that he'll be able to, you know, service the Husky football team well in that, in that punting role. Yeah, no doubt. And to go back to long snapper, Jaden green is, is indeed a true freshman. Awesome. Out of, out of Arizona, number three, long snapper in his class. There you go. So expect, expect that tight spiral from those, those long snaps back to the, the punter and the place kicker this year. It's a, you know, if, if you don't know who your long snapper is, that's generally a pretty damn good sign. Yep. Absolutely. So it's one of those underrated positions, honestly. I mean, one of those things that can easily get screwed up, you know, and if you don't trust your snapper, the rest of that play. Yeah. Can be pretty, pretty screwed up pretty quickly. So, and, you know, to make my point, you know, even stronger again, as a, big time Husky fan that follows the program really closely. We've had a hell of a long snapper the past couple of years that graduated. And I don't even remember his name anymore. <laughs> You're completely right. I, 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 I don't remember either. I mean, that just goes to show how good he was. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. If you don't know his name at these positions, you know, typically a good, good sign. So I think with that, that probably wraps up our, you know, roster preview on the defensive side of the ball with a little special team sprinkled in. Mm -hmm. I know we're coming up towards the end of our podcast. And as always, we want to wrap it up with spotlighting some pro dogs. I know it's Monday night. We had a couple of dogs show out on Monday night for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Buddha Baker. Buddha. And for those that don't know, I got, I, you know, I got to admit, I caught some flack on the last episode mentioning how well Buda Baker played last weekend, and I failed to divulge that I actually named my black lab after Buda Baker. So my lab <laughs> is named Buda. You know, big shout out to Connor for helping name my dog. I was texting him back and forth saying, you know, I think I might name him Baker. Of course, I was thinking after the Pacific Northwest volcano, Mount Baker, and Connor immediately assumed Baker was, you know, paying In homage reference to, to Buddha Baker. To Buddha Baker. And then I was like, oh, damn, that's a great idea. So <laughs> now you know my dog's name is Buddha Baker. More Once so again, than your approval, it was your wife's approval that really meant a lot to me. She was excited about it. And he he's a good dog. He's seven, he's dog. I think he's seven months old. He's, you know, in his terrible teenage years, he likes to <laughs> push the boundaries. But anyways, getting us dog. back on track, Buda Baker had another hell of a night tonight. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he'll be up for, you know, NFC Defensive Player of the Week, I think, just with his his night that he had. Uh, I think he had seven, seven tackles, all solo tackles. 
Uh, he had a couple pass deflections. He had a sack and he had an interception, which I guess was his first interception in the NFL, which I, I read, but I don't believe. But no, I totally believe it. He was catching flack last year for being, you know, a great safety, but his knock last year was he didn't come up with a pick. So yeah. I'm glad he got that monkey off of his back. Maybe he should play with a club of a cast on his hand more often. Right. And might I note that uh, Cardinals recently suffered a big injury to their star outside linebacker slash rush end uh, Chandler Jones. So with Chandler Jones gone for the season, they're going to be really be looking at Buddha to be that playmaker on defense, as well as uh, at the corner position with Byron Murphy, who, if you want to talk about him a little bit and his performance tonight too. Yeah, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think he had upwards of six, seven tackles eight, or so. Eight, eight total tackles with seven solo. Yeah, I mean, that's just a great performance from a corner a, position. I think he had another pass deflection or two as well, too. So he's he's really starting to make a name for, for himself at that position for, for the Cardinals. Yeah, and to carry on, you know, DBU, University of Washington, we've already highlighted Buda Baker at safety. Byron Murphy at corner, making things happen for the Arizona Cardinals. Sidney Jones also, you know, he's kind of had a little bit of a rocky, rocky start to his NFL career. He didn't yeah. really stick with the Philadelphia Eagles. He made the move over to Jacksonville Jaguars this season. And last week we spotlighted him with the interception this week, he had a big pass breakup, a couple of tackles. Seems like he's really carving out a role for himself there. Mm -hmm. You know, yet another defensive back, Taylor Rapp, got his yep. second start of the season, led the Los Angeles Rams in tackles. I think he had nine. And then the guy that's carrying the torch for the pro dogs this year. I'll let you, <laughs> I'll let you, Connor, go all gas, no breaks. That's right. Yeah. Miles Gaskin. Man, and Sam, going back to when Gaskin was coming into UW as, you know, a three-star recruit out of O'Day, Sam and I were really high on this kid. Like, he just had that tenacity to his running style. And vision. He, was coming, he was coming, vision. His vision is probably the most elite part of his game, honestly. For sure. And he's just crafty, you know, at that running back position. And he's really starting to carve out a role in this Miami Dolphins offense that is overperforming, honestly. So I'm excited to see Gaskin uh, carve out a role in that offense and, and really start to make a name for himself. He had, I think 22 touches for about 126 yards this last week. Um, he had like 18 carries for 91 yards, averaging 5.1 per carry. So, it, it, albeit against a very lowly Jets defense, but suffice to say, he's he's really starting to come on for for the Dolphins. And you know, they were in the. Uh, I will say that the Dolphins were in the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes this last week when yep. he got released by the Jets. And I'm it, fortunately for Gaskin, the Le'Veon Bell ended up choosing to go to the Chiefs. But I think he kind of took it out a little bit personally that that the Dolphins were looking to possibly replace him. So I hope that he's able to take that and manufacture that into into some good production over the next you know ten weeks of football. For sure, he he's proven to be 
you know, a major contributor for that offense in all facets of the game. He Mm -hmm. carries the rock. I don't think he's fumbled once yet. That's been, you know, you look at his Husky career, you'd be hard pressed to tell me an exact example of one of his fumbles. I think he fumbled three times. I think three times in his career. Higher career. He carried the ball 900 times and he fumbled three, which is ridiculous. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. He's Mm -hmm. a much better pass blocker than his you know, size and stature would yeah. suggest. So yeah, he's definitely undersized for that, but he does a admirable job at, at pass blocking. So he's just an all round football player. And, yep. you know, you talk about a Buddha Baker or, you know, at the top of the show, we were talking about Elijah Molden. There are some guys that just know how to play the game. And miles Gaskin is certainly one of those. No doubt. I do really quickly need to touch on the fact that, the Seahawks had multiple chances to grab Buda Baker. Oh. And who did we end up with? Do you remember in the second round that year? Was it Marquise Blair? Nope. Think earlier. Who's it never played a snap for the Seahawks? Delano Hill? Malik McDowell. Oh no. The ATV accident guy? You go back and look at that draft, and I believe it was like, was that the same draft that Sidney Jones declared yeah, to? Yeah, and Kevin King. And it was Kevin King. So Kevin King went 33, I think, to the Green Bay Packers. Yep. And I believe we picked 35, and we got Malik McDowell, and... 36 i think was the cardinals and it was the pick right after that buddha baker was snatched big time mistake i'll give most of the credit to pete carroll and john schneider they've had some good drafts but yep that one that one hurts that one aged like sour milk man yep that one hurts and obviously very biased you know we love our husky talent especially in in the defensive backfield and, you know, I mean, it it made a lot of sense, you know, too, like to go to Gail Young at that position and be a natural replacement for Earl. But, you know, Who probably couldn't have, pr- probably couldn't have seen, you know, all the all the shenanigans that went on with Earl. And we'll save that for another episode. But, you yeah. know, all, all the shenanigans that have happened with Earl, we couldn't have seen that coming. And uh but you know, good good for Buddha. He's he's really making a name for himself down in Arizona and having having a lot of success down there. Um, he was a Pro Bowler last year, I believe, right? Yep, for sure. And I mean, he's he's off to a an outstanding start to this season and looking like an All Pro. Um, yep. Quite, I mean, he even cracked the NFL top 100 players last season. I think yep. he came in in around in the 90s and. The way the season's going so far, I'd expect him to, you know, eventually jump into the top 50. Yep. So you'll hear a lot of Buda Baker talk this year, um, so long as he's, you know, quote unquote healthy. And um, along with all all of these other NFL dogs, we're excited to see what they do this year in the NFL. Um, But yeah, I think with that, we're probably going to wrap. Um, let me just double check my notes here to make sure I'm not missing anything, but yeah, I, th- I don't think there was anything else that we really needed to touch on unless you had anything else to say, Sam. No, I think that pretty much, you know, 
brings us to the end of episode two. You know, just another week of pro dogs making it happen in the NFL. I think that trend will continue. And looking forward to next week, you know, we'll go through our offensive preview in a Mm -hmm. fairly similar format. And that's going to be a juicy, juicy episode. So make sure. A lot of of intrigue on that offensive side. um, For sure. Make sure to. Very key positions. So please tune in next week. Absolutely. Hit that subscribe button, follow us, make sure you get the update for when next week's episode gets posted because there's going to be a lot of exciting things that we'll be touching base on in the next episode. So stay tuned. And again, thanks for listening and we'd love to hear your feedback. Mm-hmm. So please, you know, text us, call us, use the, you know, the messaging system on anchor. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We want to make sure that we're talking about the topics that you want to hear about. Yeah, no doubt. And shout out to mama Jules, Sam's mom left us a very, very nice message after our first episode. So thank you for the kind words and words of encouragement. Um, means a lot. So thank you, mama. She's a, she's a big fan. Yes. <laughs> our biggest probably. So. <laughs> probably at this point, the biggest. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk some, some offense next week and yeah, you know, before you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be Cal game week right after that. So uh, essentially how we see this going is we're going to talk offense next week. And then the week after, uh, we're looking at Monday night recordings and Tuesday morning, uh, uploads. So that following week is going to be Cal game week and we'll do kind of a prediction style episode. Uh, we're thinking about possibly doing three uploads that week of Cal game week. Uh, the first being that prediction style upload. And then we're thinking about doing, uh, a like night before type thing. Uh, so that'd be Friday night games on Saturday, the seventh. So it'd be Friday night, the sixth that we do like a game, uh, like a night before. And that'd be a little bit more of a deep dive, maybe into the cow game as far as a preview. And then we really want to take pride in our, you know, irrational thoughts right after <laughs> Husky games. So we're going to be doing some raw emotional reactions to each of these games. So I think a normal week once games start are going to be two uploads for Huskies. Uh, one one being that raw, rational thoughts and post-game reaction uh, every week. And we'll we'll try to record that shortly after, after the game. And then more of a coming to our senses and more, more, more rational style of, you know, reflecting upon the previous week and looking forward to the next week kind of a midweek episode. Yep. Um, but like Sam said, we want to hear your feedback and we do want to talk other sports. So if you guys want us to talk Seahawks, please let us know, give us feedback, comment. And um, yeah, we really look forward to, to all that stuff as we, uh, as we continue to grow this podcast. And until then pick up some Montucky cold snacks <laughs> and go dogs, go dogs. <laughs>